Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kenno Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Azure Podcast. This is episode number 482 being recorded on the 21st of December, 2023. Today I'm here with Evan and Kale, and we're going to talk about uh, the Network Watcher, which is a feature in Azure, which uh, I think everybody should know, and uh, we haven't given uh, too much of love to that service on the show before, so we figured it's about time. Uh, just so happened that uh, you know I've had to dig into Network Watcher. Evan's been helping me out as well this week, so figured let's share our findings with everybody else so that others can take advantage of this great service. So Network Watcher it is for today. But before that, let's get on with some news. Uh, Evan, I think you had some news from last week yeah, that you didn't uh, cover. And, uh, yeah, a couple a couple of retirement related stuff and then um, some some new features and capabilities. But, um, you know, from a, a, a I don't know, retirement may not be the right word for this one, but, you know, TLS um, 1.3, which by the way, if I slip up and call it SSL, it's not SSL anymore. That's just what I always call it. Um, but TLS 1.3 um, is coming, right? It's been around for a couple of years now, but it's, you know, 1.1 and 1.2 are increasingly uh, less prevalent. And so 1.3, you know, there's a bunch of work going on to make that default in a lot of places. Um, you know, most of the modern OSs and devices and everything support it, but um, a number of the Azure services have been providing the capability to, you know, for some brief window, you know, turn on or test against 1.3. Um, and App Application Insights is the latest one to add this capability. Um, I definitely recommend anybody that use Application Insights, turn it on for a little bit, see what fails, right? Or, or within your logging, look and see what's failing. Because again, it's better to find it out now when you have control than at some point when 1.1 and 1.2 start dropping off, which 1.1 has absolutely started dropping off. And 1.2 is starting to. Um, the other one, and and I I, I sort of have to laugh because it, it makes me feel um, like this wasn't that many years ago, but it, it feels like they've been around forever. But the um, Azure VPN standard and high performance VPN gateway SKUs, which were the old classic um, uh, Azure classic based VPNs, um, these are getting retired in 2025, September of 2025. Again, if you're creating new new VPN gateways these days, right, you really have to work to opt in to these. Um, so you're, it's not likely to be, but a lot of people that have had you know had VPN gateways for years um, are potentially running on these older SKUs. Um, so you should definitely be looking at migrating over. Um, I think we have some capabilities. I, I can't remember for sure to help with the migration, um, but there is definitely a possibility. Depending on what you're running, you may have to do take some downtime and delete them and recreate them. Um, but again, better do that now than, you know, as we get closer and closer in 2025. Um, this is actually, a, and I'll mention here, although I don't, we don't have a link for this, but Azure Classic, right, is on a deprecation path, has been there for a couple of years. Um, we actually fully deprecated VMs in September, I think, of this year, just a, a couple of months ago. Um, and, you know, now all the services that are built on that are starting to retire their older SKUs. So, you know, it's actually a really good thing because now everything's going to be ARM-based, get all the zone redundancy for free, all that kind of stuff comes with it. Um, the 
Azure Chaos Studio, um, which is, again, a great tool when you're building your apps for testing their resiliency to failures. Um, there's some new capabilities for service bus faults. Basically, when you see topic changes, view changes, right, you can test it dynamically to or get Azure Chaos Studio to basically replicate that and see how your app behaves. I, I think we had Chaos Studio on the show, you know, one day last year, yep. you know, one time last year. Um, I cannot recommend strongly enough people check out this service, right? It, it's you don't want to find problems in your deployment once you're in production, right? You want to find them ahead of time, and it's a great way to do it. Um, the last one I want to reference, um, and you know, this is of a little bit of personal interest because my, my mom for a long time was in this industry of digital imaging for healthcare stuff, um, but there's a service, I actually have to go look this up, service called, uh, or a standard called DICOM, which is Digital Imaging and Communications in Medicine. Um, and I've got this in front of me because I didn't have to go look, look this up. But this is basically a standard for the storage and transmission of medical images, right? So the you know, HIPAA-related stuff and um, you know, need to make sure this stuff is secure and, and make sure it's shareable between all the different vendors and um, you know, types of systems that are out there that, that manage these images. But we, so there, we have a service that allows you to implement this um, standard, but now we've integrated Azure Data Lake Storage with the DICOM service that we have as well. Um, and this allows you to basically store your images in this big massive data lake um, at that point. And, and then again, leverage it with the downstream services. So we're, you know, this is all part of our, um, um, our uh, health services features and capabilities that we're launching. At some point we probably ought to do a show to this because it's a pretty good collection of this stuff that's out there now. Um, but this is all sort of expanding those capabilities and allowing medical providers to run on the platform in a safe and compliant way. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the DICOM stuff. I worked on that stuff like way years back in early really? 2000s. Really? Funny. And okay. it's, it's, it's not insignificant, right? It's not like, yeah. oh, well, there's a different type of file format here. We're good to go. No, no, it's way complex. Like there's a lot into this. So I don't want to like belittle this at all. That's a pretty big achievement, yeah. you know, yeah. to have that in there because that's a, that protocol is quite vast, as you can imagine. Like it's for yeah. like, you know, x-ray machine talking to another one yeah. and these kind of yeah. things. So it's, uh, yeah. it's quite complex. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's bad. I mean, you think about all the challenges we have, you know, exchanging, you know, spreadsheet files, right. Between different formats. Like you can imagine the challenges when you're trying to do medical care. Right. And you get the x-ray from company X and it's being viewed by company Y, like all that stuff has to be intercompliant um, at that point or interoperable. Yeah, I've cool. got a quick one over here. Uh, this is related to Azure SQL. Uh, so we know the Azure SQL Pass service is something we've had for a while. Uh, and there's also another service called Azure SQL Managed Instance, right? Which is uh, kind of on top of the Pass service, it adds things like, uh, you know, managed updates, uh, uh, backups, et cetera, of your, of your service. Now, uh, typically it's been quite expensive to try and get onto a managed instance service, right? Because that's uh, sort of more dedicated for you, right? It's not a shared service as such. Uh, and uh, customers are, you know, reluctant to get onto that uh, because of the cost. Now there's um, a free offer where uh, you can host, you can have your own managed instance, one per subscription, uh, which uh, allows 720 V core hours for the month, which is basically a single core you can run for the whole month, and um, uh, 64 GB of uh, uh, storage, of which about half of that will go to actually install the uh, you know all the files, the system files, and whatnot. So you get about 32 GB for your data, uh, but with uh, you know that you can you can have that for the month and it shouldn't really cost you anything. And this allows you uh, if you want to try out managed instance, make sure. 
that it does work for you for your uh, for your development uh, project that you're working on, you know, and then later on you can kind of sign up for it and, and use it in production if you want to, uh, or if you just want to kick the tires and see how it is, you know, compared to your own uh, on-premises uh, SQL Server that you may have, right? Because that might be the next logical step. Let me go to managed instance. Uh, so I think this is a real, uh, real uh, nice offer. Uh, to, yeah. for those uh, for folks that are reluctant to try it out because of the cost. Yeah, I love managed instances because it, you know, SQL Azure or Azure SQL DB is really sort of the ultimate end goal, but there's still lots of scenarios, especially when you're talking about cross database things and some of the more complicated transactional replication stuff that you just can't do with Azure SQL DB and managed instances is a great stepping stone, right? From having to run it yourself on a VM. Like it's it's a great place exactly. to start. Great. All right. So uh, maybe we can get started on our topic today, topic du jour, which is Network Watcher. Right. Uh, I think uh, we've probably mentioned the word Network Watcher in passing a thousand times on the show, but never actually dug into it. So I'm glad we're spending the time today to do it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I guess at, uh, at a high level, I would say Network Watcher is, um, uh, is, a, is a network uh, monitoring slash diagnostic tool available in Azure, right? Uh, one of the problems uh, with, the, I shouldn't say a problem with Azure, but one of the concerns that customers may have moving from on-premises to Azure is that they, you lose control over things, some things uh, that you had on-premises, right? One of the things you lose control of is you, you can't really touch and feel the network anymore like you used to, right? You get this mm -hmm. thing called a VNet, and, but you can't, you know, you feel like you can't do much about it. Like if you have to, like, you know, we have all these tools that we're used to running uh, in, in our own network, things like you know sniffer or uh, you know all these diagnostic tools that we have uh, at our at our uh, at our disposal and we don't necessarily have that in azure and so i think network watcher is a nice uh, set of tools like a toolbox which uh, gives you some of that capability inside of uh, inside of azure itself evan i'm sure you close to network watcher how would you characterize it yeah, I, I mean, I think your characterization is is right, um, and and I think I, I won't push back on the problem statement um, because that you started with, because the reality is, you know, networking is a complicated area, even on premises, right? I made up, I made a living debugging that kind of stuff, um, and it 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 has gotten easier to manage in a lot of ways, and there's a class of problems that are gone, but it's still a non-trivial area for sure, right? Um, and so you know, Network Watcher, it, it's it's funny, I. I really love the service. I think it brings a lot of capabilities in terms of diagnosing common scenarios, but it's also the one that, you know, when you and I, you know, you were pinging me about the other day, I'm like, I, you know, I'm not sure I haven't ever looked at it because unfortunately, while we recommend it to customers all the time, I don't know a lot of customers that use it. And I think that's really to their detriment. I mean, I really do recommend people check it out and install it, especially some of the, the agent-based monitoring stuff, because it'll detect and tell you about things Right? And so that you can react to them ahead of time. And you're just, I think, missing a potential opportunity if you're not leveraging it. Uh, it's not, the a, show. Thing it's not a show if we don't have a mute issue. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, you know, Network Monitor is kind of a, a uh, it's a regional service, you know. So yeah. essentially, if you've got, uh, you know, multiple regions that you're using in Azure, you'll need at least one instance of it per region. Okay, so... Uh, in my case, I just happen to have services across three different regions uh, in the U.S., and so uh, I wound up with three instances of Network Watcher. But uh, the features that Network Watcher has, right, loosely fall into three buckets, I would say. Uh, one is monitoring, 
The other one is diagnostic tools. And the third one is logging, right? And so these three are the broad areas that it falls under. Uh, in the monitoring, uh, in the monitoring uh, area, uh, one of the features is, uh, which is very cool, is where it draws out a topology for you, right? It creates a network diagram, so to speak. So it kind of gives you an insight into your VNet, you know, what, what devices are connected to it, what sort of energies are being applied, like just visually, right? It's like a, it's like a Visio diagram or such uh, that shows you how your network's laid out, which I think is, a, you know, a very useful thing because you don't realize you know, how much stuff you have on the network until you actually see it, right? <laughs> like, oh my God, look at the number of devices that wound up there. <laughs> yep. Um, then so, and then kind of the next step on into the monitoring is just, you know, being able to monitor uh, connections uh, or connection problems in um, in Azure in, uh, is something that most customers want. I know uh, was something what, I was certainly- This is what you were trying to set up yesterday, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, and uh, this is where, you know, I feel like uh, Network Watcher has, or um, Azure has gone through some maturity in this space, right? There's been a number of tools which I think are now starting to be deprecated. And, uh, you know, there's some, I think this documentation could probably use a little mm -hmm. bit of work in terms of being clear on where, you know, what, what the correct tools are. But as of now, I believe if you want to do good monitoring, for vnets you use a tool called the connection monitor right that is the current sort of supported tool which if you're starting today that's what you would use you know the connection monitor and that is a really nice tool because what it lets you do is um, you know it, it solves this canonical issue with the networks right i have a vma and i have vmb and they're trying to connect to each other you know, over some port maybe or something like that how do I make sure that that connection is uh, always up? You know, what is the latency of that connection? Is it running slow? Things like that, right? Because latency is kind of the biggest uh, uh, or the earliest problem that you would look into when you see when you you know when things start go wrong yeah. going wrong in Azure, right? Moment latency starts uh, suffering, you know that something is going to happen. It's going to something's going to go down soon, and so keeping an eye on latency, especially network latency, is uh, uh, is a key feature. So uh, that's the one thing that uh, connection monitor does. You know, it kind of lets you say, okay, you know, from this. A VM to this VM on this port with this, you know, kind of protocol or whatever. Uh, I, I I want you to monitor the latency between these two endpoints, and it would it kind of you know sets up a job uh, as uh, Evan said. There's agents on each VM that would start sort of you know pinging or talking to each other and recording uh, all of the latency metrics uh, that were created. The other thing that's uh, nice about this, and 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 there's certainly you know some some theoretical downsides with an agent-based topology. But in this case, what this brings is you can actually include your on-premises side in this, right? You can actually run Correct. these agents on on-premises resources as well, which gives you the ability, um, you know, so so again, there, you know, there is some complexity that now you're installing something in the guest, which you have to be, you know, cognizant of and your security team has to be on board with and whatnot. Um, you know, there is some niceness about some platform feature that I don't have to do anything like that. But but that then becomes limited, sort of like Azure Arc in that sense, right? Arc by being, you know, multi-platform in essence. Um, and I, I assume, I haven't actually checked, but I would assume since connection monitor is just agent-based, you could probably do it across AWS or, or Google Cloud as well. Um, yeah. You know, it's just it's just data at that point. But like, it gives you the ability to really see your whole network and not just the narrow slice that you have in Azure, because very few people just 
have Azure, right? There's all these different pieces that go with it. Right, right. Yeah, as long as the agent can call home into Azure, yeah. I suppose it should be able to be deployed anywhere. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so connection monitor again. You know, there uh, there, there was a, a an old classic connection monitor which has been deprecated. There's also the network performance monitor which is being deprecated. So, so there's all these tools that are being deprecated. So with all gravitating towards this thing called the connection monitor, and so that's the one that uh, or the new connection monitor, and that's the one that uh, we should be using uh, if we use try this feature. Well, the nice thing about about graphing the uh, the the latency is that uh, you can now set alerts for that latency. You know, so that's the that's the key point here. It's like you want to know when the latency goes over a certain baseline number. Let's say your baseline at 10 milliseconds latency between uh, these two servers. Uh, now you can start setting up alerts if it goes beyond that for an extended period of time. Alert me because that's a probably indication something's going to go wrong soon. Yeah, it seems like. On the proactive side, like what you just described, Sajit, makes a lot of sense. I guess I have some questions maybe for our listeners on uh, Network Watcher. So, for instance, if I have uh, some stuff, some infrastructure running in Azure, I assume I have to opt into this thing. And what yeah. does that mean, right? Like, do I enable, like, how can I, if I don't even know, like, I'm going to diagnose something tomorrow. Usually when I'm diagnosing something, it's probably something unexpected, right? So is there something I should be as a best practice? Hey, when you put VMs in a VNet, you should turn this thing on and you won't have to pay for, like, I don't know how the pricing and all that works, but like, is there something that should be like in the background running there so that when I need it, I can go to it and then I can pay for what I need or how does that work? I don't know. I'm actually not familiar with the pricing structure for for network monitor, um, you know, which I probably shows where shows where I you know focus on this stuff. Um, you know, we can probably point to some links on it because I'm I'm sure it's not you know zero, right? There's mm-hmm. probably some incremental cost. But the to your question about um, uh, sort of is it not really it's worth it? But if I sort of take your question and frame reframe it a little bit, mm-hmm. like. There's always this balance of do I spend money to have the data and the telemetry I need to debug something? And I personally, again, I come from the world of things being broken all the time. So maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I, I the, these types of tools generally are not expensive enough, in my opinion, to justify the fact that when you need it, you you need it, right? Downtime's super expensive, right? The last number I saw was like $9,000 um, to, to large customers. And so, you know, I think, for the pre, the, the alerting that Sajit was talking about, yeah, you absolutely need to go ahead and do that ahead of time. But there's a whole host of capabilities within Network Watcher that are on-demand capabilities. Like if you have a problem with an NSG, if you're having problems with your routing rules, um, if you can't get from VM A to VM B, you can actually, and this, I love this feature because um, it's actually really unique in that um, you can do what's all called IP flow verify, which basically says, can I get from A to B? But it's not just looking at the traffic rules that you've set. It actually initiates a flow or, or a set of packets to make a connection. And so if you have, you know, I don't know, something going on in the guest that's blocking these packets, it'll tell you, it'll say, hey, I got through all the NSGs, I got through all the pieces, you know, but then I didn't actually get a response back from the guest or I got a partial response. All those things, the NSG stuff, the the next hop, the VPN troubleshooting, all that stuff you can do on demand, sort of on nice. the fly. So it's so it's sort of a hybrid of both of what you're talking about. But for the you know the preemptive monitoring, like like Sujit was talking about, yeah, you absolutely have to install that ahead of time. Like it doesn't, you can't get the data after the fact because the agents aren't there. But it's it's a mix of both. Gotcha. I see these. I I don't know. Maybe this is a lot of context, but I see these. Like if you use our portal to go provision like VMs and stuff like mm-hmm. that. 
immediately you'll see this network watcher thing uh resource group get fired and i was like hmm, interesting i guess that's just uh in the background enabled um yeah and like i was saying uh kale it's it's basically creates one per region you know, that's kind yep. of the default thing uh, yep. so every region that you happen to so if you uh, deployed uh, a resource for the first time in a particular region, a network uh, watcher uh, kind of resource is created for that region, right? Nice. And you can later on go and delete it if you feel like I just don't want it. There's no cost to having this the network watcher uh, um, enabled. You know, service enabled for the region. Yeah. Uh, the cost is if you use a, each of the individual features, like I said, gotcha. you know, there's, there's monitoring. Uh, so the monitoring involves setting up this connection monitor, which has a bunch of tests that you do in it. And then, uh, you know, for running the test, there is a, a small fee. I just saw it. Uh, so there's a fee per test uh, that's included. I think it's like a few cents or something like that. Uh, similarly, if you use any of the diagnostic tools, uh, you know, it's, it's a, some nominal fee for using the diagnostic tools. And then if you do the logs, obviously logs, you know, it's going to have storage costs and all associated. But so that's that's kind of uh in, you know there uh, you, you you kind of sign up for all of that when you use network watcher uh but just for uh just for keeping it on your service in your region there is no uh there is no cost now uh you haven't already mentioned ip flow verify which i think you know is the kind of the first uh, tool that you would use if you have a specific ip that you want to see why can't i get somewhere from this ip or, or can i get to that ip uh that's a good way to uh, to check it out and it t essentially tells you if uh, the if there is an NSG, a network security group that's blocking uh, your access, right? Uh, another tool that they have, which is kind of uh, I would say the next level from IP Flow Verify, is NSG Diagnostics, which is another tool which is in Network Watcher itself, and that gives you a little more broader view. Okay, saying you know from this range, from this side range, if I were to try to connect to this IP, would it work? Right? Would something block? Now you're looking at more like what if analysis, right? what's what's going to allow or not allow that flow and so again it's going to look at the energies and it's going to say okay you're going to be allowed because these energies are set up in that way or it's going to be blocked because of this deny rule uh, in this specific energy here so those are kind of the in terms of actual uh, you know looking at ip flow uh, uh, that i believe is the uh, those are the two primary tools ip flow verify and energy diagnostics uh, now there is another tool which is called Next Hop, and that is, you know, again, very simple thing where it says, okay, I'm here, and if I go to that destination, what's the next hop going to be? Is it going to be this router here, or uh, you know, the uh, maybe there's an internet gateway or something like that that gets involved? So that's what Next Hop is going to do, just to give you that additional detail about where this uh, packet's going to go next. Yeah, that 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 one's I, I like that one too because again, I I spend a lot of time in this space, and even I. I struggle to read all the routing rules and sort of reconcile all the different pieces and come up with, yes, my next hop is definitively this place, right? That's really easy to do incorrectly. Next hop's great. It just it just resolves them for you and tells you what they're going to be, right? It's super handy. Yep. Much more reliable than us humans <laughs> at that exercise. <laughs> and, and you know, I think uh, it's fair to say that, you know, uh, NSGs are kind of one of the things. By the way, that network, most people network security are, groups for customers for somebody, because I don't, cause I don't yeah. think we mentioned that. That's correct. Yeah. So, you know, these are uh, kind of almost like firewall like yeah. rules that you can apply on your uh, VM, on the subnet, you know, et cetera, at different places. 
Uh, and, and one of the problems is that when a packet has to flow through the system, it flows through multiple NSGs, right? Uh, for example, from a VM, it flows up the the NSGs in the uh, in the uh, network interface get uh, get applied. Then the uh, the the NSGs on the subnet would get applied, and so on and so forth. And then again, you know, if it goes to another network uh, on the destination side, again the same thing would happen there. Right? It would apply on that subnet and then destination uh, uh, VM as well. So the problem is you don't you never know where the you know where yeah. it's breaking right you, yeah. nobody knows and so this uh, some there's this nice feature called effective security rules right so again you know you kind of provide uh, you know the, uh, the the machine uh, and the um, uh, and the uh, uh, the network interface. And it looks at that, combines it with what's available on the subnet it's on, and tells you, okay, in aggregate, this is what this uh, effective uh, security rule is going to be, right? It kind of gives you like a combined uh, collapse view, as opposed to you having to figure out each hop where the uh, where the deny or allow assignment is. So I think that's uh, another useful one: is using the effective security rules option in the network watcher. One question I had is around how invasive this is for customer environments. So um, to my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, like there's like an agent that could be used as part of this specifically for things like VMs when you're testing like end to end type things. And there's there's actual something like an agent that gets put on the VM to do that. But in most cases, are most of these tools um, like external, like basically you're using them, but it's not really changing your environment in any way configuration wise or any of that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, the diagnostic tools are primarily looking at your network setup and all to figure out, you know, if this packet would flow. I think the IP flow verify, as uh, Evan said, uh, that one actually sends kind of a packet through. Mm-hmm. But things like energy diagnostics, next hop, uh, you know, uh, uh, effective security rules, that's kind of analyzing your NSGs to figure out uh, where the problem might be. Gotcha. So, so for that, you wouldn't need the agent. And then uh, kind of another uh, feature I know I used a lot when I had my own networking set up here at home uh, to have like a hub and uh, you know network cables and whatnot uh, is running a, a network capture right uh, running something like Wireshark or Sniffer. Wait a minute, wait uh, a minute. You can read network capture, Sajid? I actually, I'm not, I'm like not judging. I just didn't realize that. That's I'm gonna send. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I spent many many uh, uh, years reading network captures. Yep, uh, all the protocols and everything. Yeah, uh, oh, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I can, and especially when it comes to HTTP and TCP traffic, yeah. Yeah, I spend a lot yeah, of time yeah. with that. Okay. Uh, but okay. you know, so sometimes you feel like you need to do that here, right? And you, you just can't plug in a Wireshark device and and do it. So there is. Uh, uh, a packet capture feature that's available in Network Watcher. Now we could say, okay, you know, I want to create a packet capture between these two points, and then kind of creates that network uh, uh, dump for you, so to this speak. This is the this is the other feature that I really love, and and unfortunately, it's it's way underutilized because what's nice about this is so it's an agent-based packet capture, um, and it uh, and the agent actually I can't remember if it natively dumps them to storage or it collects them locally and then it copies them over um, to remote storage every so often. But you can do all of this without having to remote um, or SSH into the into the virtual machine. And like in 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 the world of so many people still doing manual touches on their production servers, I, I really would love to see more people adopt leveraging capture or collecting capture packs. Packet captures. I can't say the word today. Um, <laughs> collecting packet captures using a no-touch mechanism, right? Rather than you know 
and hopefully they're jitting into these virtual machines. But again, I see lots of people who aren't, they just have credentials, they log into them and then they collect it. Um, that's just such a riskier thing at that point. Um, you know, not to mention you sort of risk, you know, filling up drives and all those kind of complexities that can happen as well. Yep. And then we send yeah, right. it to, to, to go analyze um, <laughs> at that point. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right, though. It's, you can uh, store it to a storage account, to a file, or to both. You know, So you have, you have all uh, like awesome. three options there. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, that's uh, certainly something uh, that's in your toolbox. And, and sometimes you know, you're just not sure which of these tools you want to use, right? Because it's many tools that we talked about. But you, you may be walking into a problem and like, you know, which tool should I start with? So there is something called the connection troubleshooter, which is another tool in the network watcher, which kind of aggregates all these tools. It says, I'm going to try all of them and give you all the results. You know, sort of, if, you, if you're not sure which one to use, you could try the network uh, troubleshooter. Uh, so that's a uh, connection troubleshooter. So that's uh, your kind of catch-all tool, you know, if you ever need to track down a problem. Uh, and then finally, uh, we, you know, we move to the area of logging, right? Because there are some times when you just want to log the uh, network uh, flows over time, right? Maybe you want to fire, you want to figure out, you know, am I getting a lot of traffic in this direction? Uh, you know, are, are we getting a lot of errors in that direction? What's what's happening, right? Uh, are people trying to come in and it's just getting blocked all the time? And so there's um, this option of flow logs. So you can create flow logs between, uh, you know, again, between two source and destination. And again, there's a log to a storage account. You can go back later and, and figure out, you know, what are the trends? What, you know, what are we seeing in terms of these flow logs? There's an additional feature of flow logs called traffic uh, traffic analysis, which is a kind of an uh, even more uh, uh, detail is stored. And there you could kind of log things like, you know, which uh, which region uh, customers are coming from, uh, these network traffics are coming from to kind of figure out if you have a regional uh, distribution issue. So those are uh, flow logs. And then finally, you have the traditional diagnostic logs, right? And these are like at the NIC level now. You want to say, okay, this NIC is misbehaving. And, you know, we've seen these being used for things like VNet encryption or, you know, we have some of the very low-level network issues uh, you, you can you can turn on diagnostic logs at the uh, at the interface level itself at the network interface level, and so that feature is also available uh, to you. And 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 you know the I, I like the other thing I like about the traffic analytics is is you know it takes all these logs and it aggregates them for you, so it really does reduce like you get all the detail without all the complexity, right? Um, you know because there's a I mean you think about every every tcp connection is a flow and so we're logging every flow like you don't want to have to look through all of that and figure out that right. that aggregation yourself so yeah it, it makes it a lot easier to to think about that yep so yeah i i, I strongly believe if you use uh, virtual machines right uh, i believe uh, using uh, things like uh, the network watchers is a required uh, tool in your belt what uh, just out of curiosity, Jeep, what were you debugging yesterday that that required you to look at this? Let's talk about a real world situation. Is that something that you can share? Or yeah, you play in with it. No, no, no. So uh, you know, essentially trying to figure out when uh, a virtual network uh, starts misbehaving, right? Uh, you know, they said virtual networks can misbehave because the VMs uh, that are connected to it are not working correctly. Maybe there's application problems, but there could be also problems with the virtual network. <laughs> And, uh, you know, uh, looking at latency of the virtual network is something that uh, uh, I thought would help 
identify when something is potentially going bad, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, so that was the main uh, draw for me is like, how do I calculate, how do I monitor the latency between um, multiple endpoints on that VNet? Mm -hmm. And if the latency starts increasing over baseline numbers, then you can start thinking that, oh, you know, maybe there is a problem. The problem could be on the VM, could be with my application. Maybe my I don't have enough CPU or memory and the application has mm -hmm. gone really slow. That's one problem. So you got to rule that out first. Uh, but assuming you can rule that out and then you're still having the problem, then that could mean that, the, you know, the VNet itself may be having problem. Maybe there's packet drops on the VNet, you know, at that point, uh, things are things are being retried multiple times, yep. you know. Uh, and so so the, uh, that's why, you know, latency tends to be a nice catch-all yep. kind of metric yep. for yep. all of those problems, right? Kind of and quick, yep. then you kind of have to uh, kind of drill down specifically where the issue may be once you've identified that there is a latency problem. Yeah, and this is a good example of where um, while software-defined networks, you know, so cloud, this is what cloud does. And I guess you do SDN on-premises as well these days, but like where it adds a ton of complexity because in the in the on-premises world, everything you would get a trace on is typically either a physical device or it's a virtualized equivalent of it like a virtual machine, right? Um, but in, in Azure, the VNet actually, and this is why I was asking sort of the scenario, your virtual network is actually not a thing, um, but what you're talking about in that context as the virtual network is that is really the collection of the software load balancer um, service that we have, the actual host, right? That's because re really, if I'm, if I'm going from VM1 to VM2, I'm actually going um, for my flow to get initiated. I go through the software load balancer, but after my flow is initiated, I'm going VM to VM in most scenarios. So it's sort of host to host. In that case, now you might go through a gateway if you're, you know, going across. But even going across VNet, you're still going VM to VM. We just apply different rules. But by having something like that, um, the, the connection monitor in place, it, it can tell you some of those pieces that are really hard to figure out. It because again, it's completely abstracted for you, Correct. right? Um, and so Correct. yeah, no, that that's the other reason I really love that tooling because it it really does help you narrow in on some of these complicated pieces that are, you know, by design abstracted from, from the end user. And, and I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned that because there are these, they call them T1, T2, yep. and even T3 yep. devices uh, yep. in the data center. That's what you're referring to. And they, yep. and they, and they are documented. I will put a link to that. Uh, there's a nice uh, page on the Azure website that talks about them. But unfortunately, we don't get insights into where the problem is in these Correct. various yep. tiers, right, within the yep. data center. And so... We're hoping that this this uh, latency metric will help us kind of drill down into that area. Yeah. Yeah, we we absolutely. So there's a there's a version of this tool that we use internally to debug some of this, where we're actually at the host level, so right at the interface between the virtual machine and the physical space of the VM switch layer. We are sent we are um, sending packets. Um, to all the virtual machine switches in the in your virtual network. And so we actually have metrics that we look at trying to say, hey, what does that look like? Because again, if that looks healthy, then any problems are probably coming inside the virtual machine. If that looks bad, you're, you're, the virtual machine can't really impact that or not generally. Um, if the virtual machine looks bad, then at that point, hey, I'm sorry, if, the, if the, that data looks bad, then the problem is probably below the stack, right? It's it's you know one of the physical devices, or it's the T zero or top of rack switch, right? Like that helps us narrow it down as well. And yeah. So that that's actually I remember the conversations when when they were building these these features into um, into um, Network Watcher. A lot of them came out of the same troubleshooting tools that we used internally that provide a lot of insight. But like there's just not 
like we had to really work to figure out how do we expose them to customer without yeah, exposing yeah. too much complexity. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that's very good insights. Thanks, Evan. All right. What, one question I had too that maybe um, kind of goes without saying, it might be a dumb question, but I'll have to ask it anyway for our <laughs> listeners is uh, we talked a lot about VMs here, right? And um, you know, generally we don't do a lot of work with uh, VMs in the current world, right? We use Kubernetes, we use all kinds yeah. of other things. So as how should people think about that? Because for me, being naive for these tools, it's like, well, I could diagnose stuff at the virtual network, the gateway level, the application like gateway level, those kind of things. But maybe the path service doesn't, right? Because there's no, I don't have access to the VMs at that point. Is that the way people should think about it? We can still use these tools. We just use them differently because it's not like we're actually interfacing with a VM, actually, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, I actually don't know. I know a lot of path services, you can't leverage it, like Azure SQL DB, Postgres, those, um, I mean, App Gateway and some of those you can because they're sort of integrated into the network stack. But I don't know, Sajid, do you know, can, can we use it with yeah. containers? Yeah, yeah. With the, so with the AKS, you know, uh, when you deploy AKS, as you know, it creates a shadow resource group, which has the actual VM scale set in it, right? So there, the VM scale set is is clearly there for you. And the the NICs are all there for you to see. So it would, be at, the, it would yeah. be at the AKS node level, but not at the container level in correct, that case, correct. right? The container okay. level okay. is is more like a software networking yep. stack yep. inside of Kubernetes. Okay. Uh, but yeah, you can still go to the uh, to the VMSS uh, node itself, uh, look at the NIC card, and then apply the same kind of logic there, you know, all nice. the, the, the rules there. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Sure. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, uh, good questions. And uh, I don't talk to you guys or everybody else listening in. Happy holidays, and uh, we'll hopefully get you in the new year. Yep. See everybody in 2024. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, guys. Take care, then. Bye. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.